Consider the following, and some of the results you will hardly believe. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Teacher Turn Alchemist podcast. My name is Lydia. If you haven't joined in before, or heck, if you've been joining me this entire time, what's up? I'm so happy that you're listening in. Thank you so much. This podcast, this is your first time, this podcast is what I deem my verbal journal of my road from transitioning from being a public school teacher to being an entrepreneur. I roughly a year ago started a kombucha tea business and I left the teaching world and I'm just sharing everything here about what's going really well, what did I totally mess up on, which that is all about what I'm going to talk about on today's episode because I had a royal big mess up. But eventually, I would like to bring a tap room to my community. I'm located in Wisconsin, specifically in Kenosha, if you're familiar. But I would like to open a tap room in my community that will bring fermented beverages as well as jobs for adults with disabilities in my area. I was a special education teacher to adults in a transition program, and I focused on vocational skills and independent living, so cooking and public transportation and accessing the environment, and eventually I would like to merge my love of health and wellness along with equal opportunities and advocacy and create this tap for my community, and I'm on that journey. It's going wonderfully, but today I am going to share about one of my mess-ups, <laughs> which stay tuned, but before we jump in with all of that, I usually share what I am sipping on. And I'm pumped today. Usually I share like a new brew that I'm doing or a new flavor or something. But today I have something really unique. I actually am double fisting it today. I have two different beverages that are not mine. One was sent to me and another I purchased from another local vendor nearby me. And I really want to tell you guys about it. So I'm going to tell you about this. Okay. So I'm going to start off with this tea blend that I got from a local vendor called Empress Roots. So I love learning about different herbs and that was actually something I was considering when I was thinking about leaving education. I I was learning so much about my body and learning about more health and wellness. I'm like, okay, what's a good business that I can go into? And obviously I, I settled on kombucha and shrubs, but I did really consider going into herbs and there is just so much to learn about it. I've just basically been really interested in this. This is more of a hobby of mine right now, but I would like to bring more herbs into my kombucha. But that's all to say that uh, this Empress Roots, her name is Erin. She has these beautiful herbal tea blends. And I was asking her about them because I'm like, oh, I make kombucha. And we were next to each other at a farmer's market. Hilarious that they put two tea people next to each other, but (laughs) she was awesome. She gave me a tea blend that I want to tell you about. It has a combination of three herbs. One is sorrel, so S-O-R-R-E-L, soursop, and moringa leaf. And she, this is so cool. So Erin is actually from Jamaica, and she gathers all of her herbs from there because she lives there nine months out of the year. And I was like, what are you doing in East Troy, Wisconsin? She's like, well, my family lives here. And so in the summer, I come here, I do farmer's markets, and I live with them, and I bring my daughter here. And I'm like, okay, that is so cool. And then she gets all of these amazing herbs that really are focused more in the tropical areas like Jamaica, and she brings them to the farmer's markets in the summer in Wisconsin. So I was super thrilled, and she is a wealth of knowledge. And so I actually wrote down a couple things that she shared with me. She also has this on her website as well. But um, the sorrel, uh, this really helps with inflammation primarily. 
especially in your respiratory tract. So I thought that was really interesting. And the next part is soursop. And this is really interesting. She shared that soursop is actually used as a cancer preventative and um, it really helps to calm your nerves. She says that they call it the calming your nerves tea. And it also gives you a boost of energy. So I love the two together like that. I just thought that was really neat. As well as moringa leaf. And I had tried a kombucha that had moringa leaf in there. I was like, what the heck is that? I don't know what it is. But she did a wonderful job explaining about this. This is so cool. So my husband and I are vegan and we're always trying to find like complete proteins. And surprisingly, moringa leaf has 18 amino acids and it's a complete protein to consume. And so this is in the leaf. It helps also detoxify your body, used for overall wellness, and it also gives you a little boost of energy as well. But I just thought that was so interesting with the protein. So I just steeped this. I have a nice hot tea here, and this is so delicious. Now, I don't know about you, but I love my tea without sweetener. And there are times where I like to put in maybe a little bit of honey or sometimes a little bit of organic cane sugar. But for the most part, I'm really all about that earthy kind of tastes like dirt, but I freaking love it. (laughs) I don't know. There's just something about a hot tea earthy so I really don't add a lot of sweetener but you can totally do that if you want but yes empress roots if you want to check her out so cool I will uh, link her below in my notes for the show now this other drink that I have this is interesting because I don't have I said I was double fisting right but this is a Japanese superfood concentrate and you're like what what is this so wild enough I don't consider myself on the top of any podcast list, which, hey, I'm super pumped that you're here listening. Shameless plug. Go leave a review if you can. <laughs> but there, this company actually left me a message and was like, hey, we hear that you talk about kombucha and fermented foods, and we have a product that we would love for you to try. And if you enjoy it, maybe you could review on the podcast. And I'm like, whoa, no one's ever reached out to me like this. And they want to send me a product. I'm like, oh, for free? Oh, absolutely. Like, that's so kind of you. And they sent a very generous amount, and I am going to try this here on the podcast. This is my first time. I have yet to try it. I just got it in the mail. And so this... This is called Koso, K-O-S-O, and um, the creator is Ars, Ars Koso, so R apostrophe S. And essentially, it's a Japanese superfood concentrate, and it's all natural. And the creator of this did a really nice job explaining in a summary on a YouTube video, if you want to look this up, but since you're here, they did a great job explaining this on the packaging. But it's a fermented superfood drink that's basically it uses century-old traditional Japanese methods. And you guys, it has 100 different ingredients. And at first, you know, I've, I've, I've heard from so many people like, don't have something that's more than five ingredients. You know, you want to know what they are. They want to be clean, right? These are superfoods, you guys. This is so awesome. So when I say 100 different ingredients, this is a combination of fruits, vegetables, seaweeds, mushrooms, and herbs. And this has been aged for a year, like fermented for a year. So you can imagine if you are familiar with fermented foods, all of the different probiotics that are in fermented foods. This also contains a lot of prebiotics, which is also super essential to immunity in your digestion. But I'm just going to read a couple of these ingredients because I'm like, whoa, this is super cool. I'm like, what the heck is this? So for example, I'm like, oh yeah, cauliflower, leafy vegetable greens, watermelon, okra, ready for this? Japanese plum, beans mix, seaweed mix, uh, bitter gourd, squash, cucumber. So all these 
wonderful things. It's vegan. It's non-GMO. It's dairy-free and 100% natural. So I'm excited about this. And it does kind of explain the prebiotics versus the probiotics and the postbiotics, which I'll be honest, I don't really understand what postbiotics are. I'm going to have to do a little bit of digging on that. But very clean. And a lot of people use this as a cleanse. Um, I've heard of juice cleanses and things like that. But this is recommended that you have this as um, a cleanse or use daily. So this is how you mix it. And this is why I brought two drinks because it's not something that you just drink from a bottle. They send you the concentrate and then you mix it into sparkling water or into plain water. And I have sparkling water here today. And the suggested daily use is half of an ounce with just a quarter cup of sparkling water. So I have that poured right here. I don't know, maybe I should have done the ASMR. Is that what it's called? Where it's like bubbly and you can hear it in the background. Anyway, so I'm gonna try this out and tell you what I think. Hmm. Okay, you probably just heard me do a big old swallow. I don't know if that grosses you out or if it's like chalkboard nails. My apologies if that's the case. Okay, ooh, this is different, but I like it. Okay, the first thing that came out in the flavor notes for me was cabbage. And surprisingly, that's one of the first ingredients that I see. I get more of earthy and vegetable, but the longer I, yeah, the longer I let it linger, I can taste almost like a sweet fruit. But I can't tell you what that fruit is, but it's sweet while it lingers. It's not, when I thought fermented, I thought it was going to have more of a bite. Like kombucha has kind of like the acidity component or a kimchi. This is really smooth. And I don't know if that's because I mixed it into water so it's diluted. If I took a straight shot of this, which they don't recommend, I guess, I wonder if it would have the same stuff as that. But overall, this is really tasty. And wow. I'm going to have to try some more of this and uh, report back. Maybe I'll do an Instagram story. I'll report back on the podcast next time. Um, But they sent a 16-ounce bottle. So this will last me quite a while, and I'll let you know how I feel. But anyway, again, this is Ars Coso, K-O-S-O, if you want to check them out. And thank you so much, Ars Coso, for allowing me to try your product and for sending me this free sample. That was super generous of you, and um, thank you. That was very, very kind. So I'm going to jump into really the heart of the episode and tell you about a major, major, I was going to say like bad thing that happened, but really I've learned in the last couple of weeks that it it wasn't bad and I learned so much, which sounds super cliche, but I want to be open with you guys and share that some things kind of went terrible over the last couple of weeks and I wanted to kind of detail that. A lot of you who listen in follow me on Instagram, and I do this every freaking time. I should have said, my business is called Living Full Kombucha. (laughs) I go into the podcast and then I talk about it and I'm like, Living Full Kombucha. And if you go to Instagram, those are our handles as well as Facebook. But I shared within the last couple of weeks that I had to essentially dump all of my kombucha and start over from scratch. And I wanted to explain why that happened, what went wrong, and just kind of how I dealt with it and what I'm doing now. But super big bummer. So yeah, a couple weeks ago, it was a combination of two different things. So when I went into brew, I just moved into a new location within the next uh, last two months into a brewery in downtown Kenosha. Still totally fangirling about it. They're fantastic there. And I'm trying to learn on different equipment and things like that. But it's a dream to be in this location. I'm very fortunate. All of my equipment is set up and I had yielded probably about two different batches so far there at that location. 
on Mondays, the brewery is closed. And so they said, hey, Lydia, if you want to come in, you can come in all day long, brew your heart out. And so I usually maximize Mondays. Like I go in pretty early and sometimes I stay till like really late just because that is my one day. And on the other days, they only allow me to be in the kitchen until 9 a.m. So Good thing I'm a morning person because I don't mind getting up super early, but I can't always do it all the time. And there are times where I do want to sleep in a little bit and it just doesn't work. But anyway, getting back to, I go in on a Monday to brew and I was uh, basically, I'm cleaning out my trays. I use symbiosis fermenters and I was sanitizing them, getting them ready for the next batch of tea that I was going to put in. Well, while I was washing them, I realized that on the corner of some of the the trays, I saw that there was a little bit of black. And I'm like, huh, black, what is that? I've never seen that before in one of my trays. And I wiped it and it came off black, like it wiped off black. And I was like, there is nothing inside of my kombucha that would have made it black. And I smelled it and the kombucha actually smelled off like it almost seemed more sour I don't know the nose of it just was wrong and I know most of you are like okay the nose of kombucha smells like dirty socks I get that it didn't smell like that it smelled off and I just didn't feel comfortable even like tasting it but it just smelled really bad and so I just kept looking at it and I was like okay what is this it's not black mold the pH of kombucha is so low like mold is not going to form especially under liquid like that and I realized that it was the stainless steel that was wiping off and had degraded essentially into the kombucha. So like, for example, if you're like cooking on a skillet and you're using some like Teflon and if you use it so much, sometimes that wears off and it gets into your food and like you scratch it or whatever. That was essentially happening inside of some of my fermenters. And so I was like, oh my gosh, this is awful. Like I can't serve this. And so I actually had to dump that one tray And then I was doing like five or six that day and another one I found was just like that too. And it's, it's crazy because at this point I have 11 seven gallon trays. It's a lot to keep track of, but I've been using some of them for close to a year. I started off with three and then I needed to double. The demand has been amazing. But I have had to just keep increasing my volume. And so I keep ordering from the same manufacturer. I have never had a problem. So surprisingly, this is so crazy. The ones that I recently got within the last month are the ones that were degrading, which completely shocked me. Because like I said, I've had the other fermenters for over a year and I don't see any of that. And they still have the same stamp from the manufacturer. So I reached out to the supplier and I was like, hey, I took pictures and I showed them the differences because the ones that are a year old, I took a picture next to the ones that I just got. And I said, hey, what is this? Like, I haven't seen this. Um, And I didn't do this in a mean way. I mean, people can take tones of an email all different ways. I did not call. But to me, I thought I was being very polite. And I was like, hey, here are some pictures. I was just curious if you've seen this or have you heard about this from other people that are using this? It's used It's meant to be used as a kombucha tray, so the acidity shouldn't have worn down the stainless steel. Also, the quality of the stainless steel is said to be appropriate for kombucha, like I just said. So I heard back from the supplier and he was like, uh, no, I haven't. And could you send some more pictures? Can you look at the stamp number, all of this stuff? And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. So long story short on that, he was able to give me new ones. And I tried out a different cleaning process. So he had asked me, he's like, well, what are you using to clean? What are you using to um, like wipe it down? And I explained to him, I'm not using any abrasive stuff to like scratch it. And I was using for a little while a diluted apple cider vinegar 
um, to kind of coat the inside. It was kind of, in a sense, to cure it. You know how you do that with, um, what are they called? The cast irons, how you can do like an oil or something? I was told in the past that apple cider vinegar is really good to wash it out with. And then I use a sanitizer that's used in the brewing industry. And so he came back really quick. He was like, you know, I feel like the apple cider vinegar is pretty overkill. And I said, overkill. Okay, do you think it would wear down some of the stainless steel? And he said, I don't believe it would. But I think it would be better to find some, some other way to clean the vessels. Um, and the sanitizer should not have done anything because it's used in the brewing world. So I was like, okay. So I talked to some other brewers and they told me to use PBW. Which, like the sanitizer I use, PBW is, it's a base. Instead of an acid, it's a base that's used in the brewing industry quite frequently to clean things. I actually use it for all of my kegs and some other things, but I've never used it for my fermenters just because I was told the apple cider vinegar was extremely effective. Since then, I have been using PBW. And like I said, none of my other trays were showing anywhere. So I was able to get new trays and brew again. But that sucks because those two trays had seven gallons, each of them. So 14 gallons of kombucha had to be dumped because I did not want to take the risk of that stainless steel coming often into the kombucha. I have no idea what that would cause for people who would consume it. And I didn't feel safe doing that. So I had to dump two of those. Okay, so you're doing the math. 11 minus 2, 9. So I got 9 left. So I was brewing that same day. I was like, all right, let's do the next one. And so I wanted to make sure that I didn't have any other problems inside of the trays um, like I just mentioned. So this is embarrassing, but I think it's important to say. And I wanted to kind of just, I don't know, explain what I did. I had opened one of my kombucha trays and I realized that there were some fruit flies inside and I was shocked because I've, I've never had fruit fly problems, um, in my last place. And to be honest, like the conditions that I was in, in the last kitchen, I'm not saying that they weren't sanitary, but it was almost hotter and I would feel like fruit flies would thrive better in that environment. I thought in this brewing industry and area, and I was in the basement, I was like, why are there fruit flies? But I realized that there were several fruit flies. And when I looked closer at the SCOBY, they had laid eggs all over the SCOBY. And I'm like mortified. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're all over the SCOBY. And it was disgusting, you guys. Like you could see them swimming around. And of course, I am not going to have anyone drink that. For the record, there was no fruit flies before. I didn't notice anything. I didn't even have traps out because I've never had that problem before. I was very confident in my product leading up to this point. So is there an outbreak of fruit flies? Is that a thing? I don't know if it happens more in the summer, but regardless, I had an issue. So now I'm freaking out. I start looking at all of my other trays and sure enough, they all had fruit flies with the exception of two of them. So we're doing all that math. I'm down to two fermenters that can be salvaged out of 11. 11. And I was devastated because I literally had to dump out close to 50 something gallons of kombucha awful oh you guys even thinking about it makes me sad my girls my scobies so I took some buckets I drained them out I disposed of all the scobies and I restarted brewing again and I tried to get them back on track but I had to think about this I was like okay I don't want to have this happen again so I did put out some fruit fly traps which there are so many crazy ones on Amazon but really the most effective way to do this is to put apple cider vinegar or kombucha something that's that sweet acid you know sweet 
that they can get into and you trap them into a cup. Like you basically put some like dish soap in there or you can cover it with saran wrap and catch them. And literally the next day I caught so many. It's been crazy. And I've caught a lot since then. But unfortunately with the style of the trays that I have, because the surface area is so large, the risk for fruit flies is higher than another brewer who uses a fermenter like a conical fermenter that has like a smaller circle size or an opening. Because I have more oxygen going into the brew, that is like more caused for fruit flies, if that makes sense. So I was like, okay, what am I going to do to prevent this from happening again? This is super sensitive. So I looked at what I was reinforcing it with, which if you're familiar, if you are a home brewer, if you've seen kombucha brewers, you're not supposed to cover it completely away from the oxygen because that's vital to creating a healthy brew. And so a lot of brewers use large sheets, muslin cloths, um, something that is breathable for oxygen to combat with the bacteria and yeast. Basically, you can't seal it shut. So right now I had muslin cloths and I had some um, rubber bands around it that kept it pretty tight. At least I thought they were tight. I looked at the bands again and I realized that the darn bugs were getting up past what I was using as like my rubber bands and getting into the bruise that way. I didn't have any holes. They are brand new muslin blankets. They are very breathable and they are not something that they can get in between. Like the threads aren't very loose if that makes sense. So I looked again at my rubber bands and I was like, you know what? I think I need to double these up. So I went to Julian Fabrics, Hobby Lobby, you know, those types of places. And I got some elastic and I, oh man, you guys, I was pissed at that point because I already had dumped all of my brews basically. But I got elastic and I tied not just one, but three elastic bands. One that's right under the lip of the tray and then one that's a little bit lower. So if those darn bugs try to get up, they're going to get stopped by one layer, then another layer, then another layer. And I also put out the fruit fly traps. Knowing that the muslin blankets have already been working for me, I don't have an issue unless they have a hole in them, which they don't. So I did that. And since then, I have not had any issues with fruit flies. I have been catching a ton, which is still gross to think about, but they are not in contact with my kombucha and I feel confident in serving it still. I also brought a little vacuum. I got one of those handheld vacuums. I was like, I'm going to suck them up. <laughs> so anytime, like they're just so tiny to see. So basically when I cover up a new brew, I never know if one's just chilling in there already. So what I do is I cover it up and then I stick my arm in there with my glove with with my vacuum and I suck out everything that's there. I probably look so crazy to the other brewers, but they don't have that problem because theirs are sealed with their beer. Anyway, I haven't had any problems. Super happy about that. But the problem now was I figured out a solution, but now I'm freaking behind in my brew schedule because all of those brews were supposed to be for my next farmer's market and the next farmer's market. And if you think about it, think about how you have to use some of the old kombucha, or not old kombucha, but the finished kombucha in the fermenter for the next batch. If I had to dump that entire batch, it's gone. <laughs> what am I going to use for the next one? <sighs> so I had to have a lot of starter fluid or basically like my mother to use for the next batches. Now, what I did already was when I moved to this new location and I was building up more fermenters, I did create a mother scoby tray that holds super acidic kombucha. Um, some brewers brew with uh, the scoby pellicle. I like the liquid and the pellicle put together. 
But the mother essentially is the strongest brew. You wouldn't want to drink it because it's almost like a vinegar and the pH is like 2.1, you know, 2.2. But when you introduce it to a brew, it jumpstarts the fermentation process. And so I was freaking out because I call her mom. She's mom to all my girls. Um, So I looked at mom. I was like, oh crap, what if she has fruit flies? If she has fruit flies, I'm freaking screwed because I have to start fermenting from scratch. I mean, I bought a SCOBY from someone local years ago and I've been using the same one. That's mom. And I'm like, oh my gosh, did mom die? Like, did she get infected? So I checked her out. You guys, I don't know how it happened, but mom was okay. Next to all of the brews that had fruit flies, I looked inside. She did not have any. My guess is that her pH was so low, they didn't want to drink it. They being the fruit flies. But I was so excited and I could say also very fortunate that I could use that for the next bruise. I did have to drain a majority of her and I had to take it very slowly. But I was able to jumpstart my bruise again and get back on schedule. When I say get back on schedule, if you follow me on Instagram, Facebook, whatever, I basically said, hey guys, I had to dump everything. This sucks. So I'm going to have to take off essentially a week or two of brewing because it takes a while to brew. Obviously, kombucha is a very patient drink. It's a beautiful thing. But starting off from ground zero again takes time. Also, I didn't have the fermenters back yet from the manufacturer. So I was already down two other fermenters. So that really took a hit for me. I'll be honest, that was really tough. And at that point, like I was in there to brew all day. It's only like, I don't know, like month number two that I'm there. I'm trying to get my systems going, trying to get built up in my inventory. And I'm just, I'm so, so fortunate because the community here, especially in Kenosha, have been outstanding. They have been buying everything at the market that I don't have anything left. And so it just was disappointing because I know people are counting on me to have kombucha and shrubs. Luckily, my shrubs were not affected because I don't have to have an open container. So no fruit flies got to those. Those were inside of the refrigerator in a sealed area. So I was able to still produce shrubs. However, a lot of people were really obviously interested in the kombucha and I didn't have that for a market. So I did pull out of one market and the next one I had just enough to bring a smaller batch, but people were extremely understanding. And I feel like, you know, I was nervous to say all of this, especially the fruit fly thing, because I I would hate for someone to be like, wow, you're not sanitary, like you really need to keep track of stuff. I have really great systems. I monitor my pH. I get my kombucha lab tested. I know the alcohol content. Like I I feel like I'm super foolproof, but things happen and I didn't know that that was going to happen. And so just to go through that and understand, okay, this is a factor. I need to be able to prevent this in the future. I'm back to, you know, regular production again. Thank goodness. Yeah, it was a huge learning curve for me and um, also very humbling because I just got all those fermenters. I'm like, this is the heart of the farmer's market season. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can actually bring more. I'm going to do it. Like I'm doing this. And I was so excited. And I feel like someone just like popped my balloon and I had to take a step back. But this was such a cool opportunity for me personally, you guys, to see how the community responded to the business and the mission and to me and my husband. 
during this time, people came up to me at the market. Hey, how are you doing? Is everything okay? I heard you had to dump this. We will wait. I've had several customers that are weak customers. They come every single week and they're like, hey, just want you to know if you have other people that you need to get kombucha to, I will take a couple weeks off until you can get your brews back on schedule. I want to support you. That wasn't just like one person. That was several people, families. So thank you. If you listen to the podcast, you're a customer. I really appreciate your patience as I try to build this back up. And it took a lot of hard work to get back to where I was. And I'm still working on it because (laughs) I need to brew more and the demand is more and more people are finding out about us in the community. And so I'm just busting out the booch. But thank you so much. You guys are so cool. And I just wanted to share my big dump story. (laughs) Usually when I say dump, I'm talking about poop. But, you know, kombucha helps with that too. Uh, I'm kind of weird. I don't know this Koso. I'm just kidding. It's not the Koso. It's just me. (laughs) It's just me. Oh, you guys are awesome. I super, super appreciate you guys listening in. You know, I I thought it'd be cool if before I end the podcast, I oftentimes will share something uh, related to my teaching days uh, along with uh, the podcast episode. And so I thought since I talked about a big old mess up in the kitchen, I thought I'd talk about real quick a mess up that I had in the classroom just to kind of humble myself again and to show you that we're not perfect. I don't have this figured out, but Here it goes. Check this out. So my first year of teaching you guys, uh, again, special education. I was in a high school at the time in Indiana. I'm like 22 years old. The students are almost as old as me. It's just wild. I don't know why they put me in charge of anybody at that point. But anyway, (laughs) I was teaching students who were between the ages of 15 to 21. And uh, the population of students that I had, uh, many of my students um, did not use their voice to speak. They communicated in different ways. I had a lot of students who had autism as well as traumatic brain injuries. And so the needs are very vast and very unique. And uh, some of them were even very medically fragile, um, needed um, wheelchairs and things like that. So very diverse uh, population in my class classroom. One of the best years. You can never have another first year, right teachers? Anyway, um, I had one student. Oh man, goodness. Wonderful. They're each so wonderful. Um, I only had seven students in my classroom, but again, the needs, it was very um, intense for me to be able to take care of them as best I could. Seven was a a, a great number and we all got along very well. Um, But I had a student, again, I I don't refer to students by any of their names because I want to keep them uh, private. I refer to all male students as Kale (laughs) because I like Kale and I love my students. So uh, his name, Kale, and I'm saying Kale with air quotes here. Kale has autism and uh, he was the oldest of seven students and he came in and uh, he had a lot of behavioral issues But I realized that, you know, people don't just have behavioral issues to have them, you know, regardless of disability or not, it's communication. And so he would um, yell at you. He would uh, vomit. I'm I'm sorry, this is kind of gross too, but just want to share. He would uh, regurgitate his food and throw it at people or um, he would um, have fecal matter and he would want to toss it at people. And I was just trying to figure out why, why is he doing that? Especially the regurgitation he would eat again what he regurgitated and I thought okay what's going on at home um he needed help with toileting and things like that and so I would do this with a lot of my students especially just to kind of do almost like a wellness check on my end I would mark the inside of their brief their disposable brief and see if it came back the next day with that same mark because that indicated to me that someone at home or whoever was taking care of them uh, was not helping them hygiene wise in the restroom because they kept on the same brief Uh, And I realized uh, very quickly that that came back basically every day with that same mark. 
and um, he would come in with the same clothes. Uh, he would smell very foul and he was very little, very, very little. And he was like 17 or 18 years old and he would crawl. I know he could walk, but he would crawl. And I just, I just felt something off you guys. And, and I'm sure many of you have faced this in your life too, where you just know in your gut that something is off. And um, I wanted to do basically a wellness report about this family. And I, I called Child Protective Services to report them. Or I shouldn't say report, but just basically to do a wellness check and just see how they were doing. But along with that, what I did also is I reached out to my administration. I was like, hey, you guys, like something is up. Something is going wrong and we need to intervene. And I was pretty, I mean, I felt very strongly about this, of course. I've explained that he is, he acted very poor. He came in one day and he was very jaundice-like, which is very, very, very unhealthy. Took him to the nurse, like, this is a whirlwind of a year. There's so much more to the story, but there is something wrong. And I just felt that in my gut. And so I basically told my administrator like, hey, there's something wrong. I feel like we need to act out on this. And this is actually the director of special education for that district. And I uh, did not get a response back that day, but I was asked to come down that following afternoon um, to talk with the vice principal. So I walked down there and she was like, hey, uh, go ahead and have a seat and close the door anytime you go into a principal's office, I don't care who it is, vice principal, principal, something is wrong. (laughs) I don't know. I didn't get in trouble as a kid often, but just going to visit the principal never had like good connotations with it. So I was a little freaked out. She closed the door. She brings out a box of tissues and I'm like, oh my gosh, what is this? And she goes, I basically want to tell you right now, and this is the tone she used too. Basically want to tell you that the principal has spent his entire day fixing your problem. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I, I didn't understand the context at all. And she was like, yeah, he was supposed to be at an event all day, but we were told from the director of special education that you were very rude in your email and that you were telling her what to do. And she is saying that you need to apologize and that we should never let you talk to her in this way. And uh, he is very disappointed in you. I'm like, what the heck? And as a first year teacher and someone who's like 22 and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get fired. <laughs> like, This is awful. And that's why she brought the box of tissues. So I started bawling my eyes. I'm like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. And she was like, look at your tone. And I looked at it and I'll be honest. And now I don't have this email. I wish I could go back to this email, but I truly, truly know that I wasn't being like, hey, yo, I didn't call anybody a name, you know, but I was like, hey, I really feel like we need to intervene on this child's behalf because I really feel like something's wrong. And they were denying me this. They're like, nope, we're not going to intervene. This is not your place. I feel like it is. And so I pressed back a little bit and I was like, I really feel like we need to do something. I didn't feel like that was disrespectful. I thought that was advocacy. My student can't speak. (laughs) So she was like, from now on, because you treated the director in this way, any email that you send out, any email has to be sent to me first and then you can send it out and I'm like what the heck isn't that wild you guys and I'm like oh okay and at that point I'm just like complying I'm like okay so I'm not gonna be fired as I'm like dripping out of my nose and she's just like yep so uh yep and if you see the principal you should probably apologize to him too freaking mortified you guys this is terrible so I go back to my room feeling so defeated and I was a tennis coach at the time and I had a match right after school and I was running late already and I go out there and 
they're all looking at me like, coach, what the heck? And I just wasn't entertaining it. I was like, whatever. Well, the principal came out that night to watch a match and I am mortified. I do not want to face him whatsoever. He's kind of a scary dude. (laughs) And he walks over to me at the end and he's a tall dude. He puts his hand on my shoulder and he just goes, it's okay. I want you to know that we are okay and that what you said was appropriate and you have balls to do it. And I don't think I would have the balls to say that. And I was like, first off, my principal just said balls. Second, wait, you're not mad at me. I'm not fired. I looked up at him and I just had big old well tears again. And I was like, really? Are you serious? He goes, you still have to send the emails to me because we have to comply. But I want you to know that I know what you were trying to do. And I'm here for you. I'm like, well, why didn't you say that ahead of time? But of course, I'm just like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> so... Ah, anyway, that all goes to say that this student, if you're if you're wondering, I'm sure you guys are like, okay, go back to the student. Is he okay? I was right about my gut. This is a whole another story. I feel like I just need to do another podcast on my teaching years. Uh, But those parents were sent to jail for abuse. Um, And that wasn't just for me. There were other people that were dropping lines about this. But as his teacher, I felt like I was one of his top people to advocate for him. And I ended up going to court. And the day before I moved to Illinois and moved away, um, that was what I did. As I had my whole car packed up, ready to go, I went to court and I was like, I testified against him. I was like, no, I, I don't want him to go back into that home anymore. And so I don't know if the family is still in jail. It was the mom and dad that got sent. And like I said, he was the oldest of seven. It was devastating. But I have heard since then that he has been adopted along with his brother and all their siblings were able to stay generally close to each other, um, although they're not always under the same roof but uh, this student I found out was actually kept inside of a cage um, and they would zip tie him to the door or um, inside of his room so that he wouldn't be able to get out um, because his behaviors were so extreme but he was just trying to communicate and it's just so frustrating that people would treat anyone like that especially a parent and so um, yeah yeah that's all I'm gonna say right there oh like getting tears I Kale is an amazing student and obviously he's still around and he's doing really well today. Um, but yeah, that's a weird place to leave you. But I just want to share with you that there's so many ups and downs and through this down with brewing and uh, even throughout my teaching years, it's just neat because I, I've been able to learn so much about myself. Um, and like I said, it's so cliche, but these troublesome times and difficult times really make you a better person. And I am very fortunate with where I'm at. And I know that I'm the person that I am because I went through all these experiences. And I hope that you feel similar like that in some troubling times that you face as well. Um, But again, thank you so much for listening in. Um, I really appreciate it. If you want to connect with me, I'd love to talk with you. I am at livingfullkombucha at gmail.com. Again, my name is Lydia. Also, you can just DM me on Instagram, livingfullkombucha. I would love to hear from you. And I so appreciate you listening in. I hope you have a great week. And in the meantime, be well and cheers.